I'm an alcoholic. My name is George. <clears throat> What's that little thing you guys have? Uh, uh, through, through AA and... Uh, where is it here? Oh, the gratitude thing. Okay. Through God's grace, through the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and a very strong sponsorship, I have been sober since July 30th, 1989, and for that I'm, I'm very grateful. Uh, this whole weekend, are you nervous? Are you nervous? Are you nervous? Are you scared? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> uh, you know, I got to tell you, but, but that's okay because I, I'm, I'm really nervous up here. You know, this is my first time doing this, and, uh, and I remember when I first went to speak at a meeting in uh, Newark, New Jersey, there was about 200 people there, and, uh, and I, I was more nervous then, and the old time I was with said, don't worry, kid, that's just God shaking the truth out of you. So, so God's going to speak for me today, so I don't know what I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I got to the airport... And uh, they said my, my name over to one MC on the, air, on the airplane when we touched down. I said, oh, God, what's going on? You know, what happened? And, uh, and so I went to see this ticket agent, and he said the people were here to meet me. And I, I met Steve Moore in Tanker, you know. And uh, so ta Tanker was my host, you know, uh, Steve's daughter. And, uh, you know, I, I knew everything was going to be okay, except when we got in the car, Tanker got behind the wheel. And uh, <laughs> it got me a little shaky until... We were driving here, and I saw a sign that said AA Highway. <laughs> and when I saw that, I knew everything was going to be okay. You know? um, all right, I'll start from the beginning. Uh, I come from a family. Uh, I have two older brothers, an older sister and a younger sister, and, uh, and a mother and a father. And, uh, I grew up in, in New Jersey. And if anybody has a problem with my accent, you know, I try to get an interpreter, but I couldn't. So... <laughs> You may have a problem with a couple of words, but it's not me, it's you people with the accent. So, uh, um, I grew up in a typical, you know, I don't know about dysfunctional or, or any of those uh, psychological terms. I, I knew life wasn't like the Brady Bunch for me. You know, uh, I, I, was, I was the one who kind of went off on my own, you know. I didn't play with my older brothers. They were, they were older than me, you know. Uh, well, that's why they're older brothers, but, uh, <laughs> you know... They're like five years older than me, and uh, five and seven years older than me. But um, I hung out with with a with a crew that was a bunch of misfits, and um, and I don't remember the first time I, I took a drink. But I was like 12 years old in the summer of going into seventh grade when I got drunk uh, the first time. And um, we always had a keg of beer in my house, see, because my father worked for Schlitz Brewing Company at the time, and uh, my father was a big man, you know, a big man, and. Uh, he was a drill instructor in the Marines, and he played a little pro ball for the team that used to be up in Cleveland. And uh, so, uh, so when he would say something, you would shake, you know, and uh, kind of like Jack. I like that. And one of my guys, big normal sized guy like myself. And uh, and uh, so my father was like a disciplinarian, you know, he can imagine. And um, but there was always a keg of beer in the house on the weekends, and and I filled up an empty milk jug. And I went out, and I, out in the woods with uh, my cronies, and we drank it. And, and I could talk, because, uh, see, I, I wasn't, wouldn't be able to talk. <laughs> kind of like now, but uh, <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't be able to talk, and, uh, and it, this made me relax, and it made me feel good, and I, I could joke around and, and be kind of like the clown, and I, I liked the way it made me feel, you know. Uh, 
I came in into AA at a relatively young age, but uh, that was thanks to chemicals also, you know, got me here a little quicker, you know. But so I, I like drinking, you know, and uh, we drank on the weekends and, and I played ball in a uh, and, and wrestled a little bit, but then I, I just played football, you know. And uh, I remember my freshman year in high school. See, I, I would get in trouble in school, get suspended, you know, things normal kids do. You get suspended. Well, normal kids don't get suspended, you know. But but I did, you know. And I wasn't too good at, too, too good at hiding things. Like, uh, we got drunk one time, went back to my elementary school and, and terrorized the place. And we wrote hello to a teacher and put our names on the board. So they knew it was us, you know. And, uh, you know. <laughs> my, my freshman year in high school, uh, I played football in, in uh, see, I went to Sparta, my high school was called Sparta High, and, uh, and the crosstown rival was Pope John, it was a Catholic school, and my father coached freshman football for them, you know, and, uh, and so when we, we came to play them, I got all psyched up, all pumped up, and, and I wanted to kick their ass, you know, and, uh, to show my father I was good, and uh, to to show him that uh, I was a mean bastard like him, you know. And uh, well, we played him and we beat him, and uh, and I felt great, you know. And uh, after my football season was over, my freshman year, I transferred to Pope John, and I played uh, one game with them, and life went downhill after that. See, I found out it was my first geographical cure. See, I, I didn't know any of these words then. I just left Sparta because I, I knew something was about to happen and I would have gotten in trouble if I stayed there, you know, so I, I left in order to be, and also to be closer to my father. But uh, I got a lot of trouble at that school and at the end of the year they asked me not to come back, you know, and I didn't want to go back anyway, so I went back to Sparta and uh, I played football and I went to school. That's all I did and, and I, I partied a lot, you know. I got in a lot of trouble. I got my license when I was 17, lost it two months later, you know. And um, I was going up the highway and the guys who were following me, their lights disappeared, so I didn't know what was going on, so I backed down the highway. And, uh, well, there were police right there, and, and they came up and they got me, and, uh, and they asked me to get out of the car. And, and this was a time where, like, I wore these kind of, like, dingo boots with the big heels, you know? And, and, yeah, and stand uh, on one leg, and I couldn't. I said, yeah, I got the boots on, and, you know, come on, you know who I am. I got my football jacket, you know. They didn't care. They didn't want to hear it, you know? So, needless to say, I had my father's car and I got a lot of trouble because I had his car. And they took the little sap that he had to whack people with. But, uh, but he was mad because I had his car. And I lost my license when I was 17 for the first time. There's more to come. But, um, <laughs> so, senior year of high school, you know, I, I played ball and, and partied a lot. And my grades were terrible because I hated school. You know, I just went there to get high and to play football. And I didn't like practice, you know. I didn't like to practice, I just liked to play games and go out and hit people, you know. And, uh, so, needless to say, Notre Dame wasn't knocking down the door, and uh, neither was Trinity College, you know, nobody. And uh, See, I thought, well, maybe, you know, if I worked, worked harder, I, I could have, you know, been better. Well, maybe I just wasn't as good as I thought I was, you know. So, I wasn't going to college, I didn't want to go to college. I had no uh, scholarship offers, so me and a friend were drinking one night, and we decided to join the armed forces. And uh, so. Where I live, there's one uh, recruiting station in the county, and we went up there, and we're walking up the stairs, and the Marines, Marines were on the right, and we said, no way. The Army was on the left, we said, uh-uh. Wanted to join the Air Force, but there was nobody there, so we joined the Navy. 
Hear that? <laughs> so we're supposed to we're supposed to go in on a buddy buddy plan, which you go to boot camp together, you go to school together. When it came time to go, he went to Orlando and I went to San Diego. And uh, and the longest time I didn't drink in the Navy was in boot camp and in my first rehab. And uh, <laughs> so I got through boot camp. I went through uh, the this A school they sent me to, and uh, it was all out in San Diego. And, and I drank a lot. See, you couldn't do any drugs in the service, but you could drink. And a drinker I became. I already was. You know, I look back, my first blackout was when I was 15. You know, uh, I was a blackout drinker. And I remember we had a bottle of scotch, a huge bottle of scotch. And uh, we drank some blackberry brandy before that, me and two other guys. And then we had the bottle of scotch, and I threw the cap away and said, we're going to finish it. And the next thing I know, I wake up uh, on the floor or on the driveway of my mother's house. I don't know how I got there. See, that, that's a lot of thing with my story. Since I black out a lot, it was, and the next thing I knew, you know. <laughs> I would never remember a certain period. It was always the next thing I knew. And, um, so I didn't think I, I drank too much or, or I had a problem with drinking. I just thought, well, I'm not going to drink scotch anymore. You know, that's the problem. So when I finally stopped drinking, there was a few things I didn't drink, you know, because, well, I blacked out and, and got in a lot of trouble for it. But um, so I was in the Navy. I, I went to my ship, and uh, my first night on the ship, this guy took me around. And we went out drinking and carousing, and, uh, and the next thing I know, I woke up with a black eye. And uh, I don't know how it happened, and I'm being introduced to the captain of my ship and to, and to all these uh, important officers, and I have a black eye. I leave good impressions, you know. <laughs> so they, they just thought I was, you know, just some kid sowing his wild oats. And uh, that's what my mother thought, too. She said, well, you know, you can slow down your drinking. Nobody thought I was an alcoholic, let alone me, you know. And uh, <clears throat> see... When I was growing up, um, my father, like I said, I was scared of my father. And my mother would keep things that I did from my father, like getting suspended from school or certain trouble, like got arrested and this and that. She, would, she wouldn't tell him because, well, yeah, he would kill me. And uh, so my father would yell at my mother because of me, and I would yell at my mother because of my father, you know. God bless my mother, you know. She uh, held the family together through uh, a lot of tough times, you know, you know. So, needless to say, I, I, I got in a lot of trouble in the Navy, you know, uh, I wasn't, uh, it wasn't a growing phase, it was just, I would go out, and when I would drink, I would go out, sometimes just for a couple, and then next thing I knew, I wake up wherever, you know, I have no money, you know, it was payday, and you get paid every two weeks in the military, and, and then I look around, I got nothing but like two singles on me, and I don't know where the hell I am, you know, and... Something's the matter here, you know. Uh, I gotta stop drinking this thing. Just stick to beer, you know. But uh, <laughs> so we went on cruises when I was in the military, you know, or when I was in the navy. And you know, I went all over the world, all o all over the west western Hawaii, Japan, Hong Kong, Korea, Philippines, New Zealand. Uh, been a lot of places some people never dream of. I can't tell you what the places were like, though. I can tell you what the bars were like, what I drank, and what the cur curse words were in their language, you know? Because that's where I learned the curse words, you know, so I could curse people out, you know? See, when I was drinking, I, I was happy, and then I was sad, and then I was an angry man, you know? And uh, 
That's, maybe that's when I, I got in a lot of fights. You know? But see, in, in my hometown, I never got in any fights. Nobody ever fought me. I, I never fought anybody. You know? Maybe it's because I, I put on this image of, of a tough guy. But when I was in the Navy, I got the hell kicked out of me. You know? These people, obviously, they didn't know who I was. <laughs> and uh, so I remember coming back to my ship one day, and, and I knew if I was late, because I was late again, as usual, and uh, I, I would be in a lot of trouble. So I volunteered to go to a rehab. And they sent me to a rehab in uh, NDRC in Miramar, California. And uh, <clears throat> when I went there, I, uh, oof, brain freeze. Um, <laughs> I went there, and they had me say a few things. I'm an alcoholic, a drug addict, and a compulsive overeater, you know? And, uh, and you know, the best thing that came out of that was I lost a lot of weight, you know? And, uh, and so I went back to my ship, and they had me on this pill called Anabuse that's supposed to make you go into convulsions or something. It just made my head feel like it was going to explode. And uh, so I would go into the, the CAC, the alcohol counselor on the ship, and I'd put it under my tongue. And I would go out and sp spit it overboard, you know, and instead of realizing, you know, maybe I should stop drinking, I got a problem, you know, because I did hear a few things at that rehab, you know. I'm too young. I, I turned 21 in rehab, old enough to drink in every state, every state, and already a drunk, you know, already a drunk. And uh, so I didn't listen, and I just went, kept drinking and, uh, and carousing and doing other things, and, and uh, you know, eventually I got kicked out of the Navy. You know, uh, I went to Captain's Mass a few times, and uh, the last time he asked me what I want to do in my Navy career, and I said, I'd like to get out. You know, it's the Navy's fault I'm this way. I want out, you know. Hey, I'll do my best to grant your wishes. You know, I'll grant, to grant your wishes. And uh, so I was out of there. And um, we were in, in the middle of the ocean. And, and uh, see, I was a radio man, top secret security clearance, this and that. You know, and nobody was allowed in the Radio Central. At the end of my Navy career, I was taking out that garbage, you know. I was taking out the garbage on the garbage scow with a guy with a gun so sharks wouldn't come near us, you know? That's, that's uh, how it went. I went in as an E-2, worked my way up to a petty officer, got out as an E-1, you know? <laughs> not the way you're supposed to do it. Then again, a lot of things in my life I did not the way you're supposed to do it, you know? Uh, <clears throat> so we're in the middle of the ocean. They flew me out. We went into the Philippines. And, uh, See, I missed a few things uh, about my Navy career. I went AWOL a couple times. We, uh, I was going back to the ship late one time. We were in Japan, and I knew I'd get in trouble again, so I faked my back was out. And uh, I'm laying down there, and the Marines are like, what's the matter? I can't walk. So they took me to the hospital, and I got out of trouble because I said my back was out. So the ship left. <clears throat> my plan was for the ship to leave, and then I'd get better, you know, and I'd meet the ship in the Philippines. And the uh, ship left. My back got better automatically. I was supposed to fly out to the Philippines the next day. So I, I went out to the, to the uh, enlisted man's club to just have one or two beers, and that was it. Well, the next thing I know, I'm getting woken up by the shore patrol in his bunk. I don't know where I'm at. And they're saying the captain wants to see you. So I went and saw the captain. I was in a lot of trouble. And uh, they flew me out to the Philippines, and I was supposed to be restricted on base. Don't ask me how. I finagled my way off of it. I had $20 in my pocket. And I'm going, I'm going to live there, you know? I'm going to live in a country where people live in metal shacks and sleep on wooden beds, but I'm going to get a job, you know? <laughs> and I'm going to prosper. But, uh, 
Needless to say, they caught up to me, and uh, they brought me back to the ship. So my back went out again, mysteriously. And uh, I'm holed up in sick bay, and the ship was supposed to leave the next day. So I said to the doctor, I said, Doc, can I go out on town? You know, I'll never be here again. You know, we're leaving tomorrow. Can I please go out? He said, how's your back feeling? I said, eh, it's feeling okay. He said, well, okay. I said, by the way, can I borrow 20 bucks? Yeah. So he gave me 20 bucks and off I was, you know. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to wire my mother for, mo for money. If I wired my mother for money in the Philippines, she'd think I was crazy. She already thought I was crazy. So I didn't bother with that. Needless to say, they caught me again. The ship didn't leave the next day. It left two months later. So here I am, stuck on a ship, can't go anywhere, and uh, taking out the garbage, you know. And uh, so that's when we, we, we took off, and I left, and uh, I went back to San Diego. I had no money because when they throw you out, they don't give you any money. So I sold my uniforms for about 50 bucks. Uh, I had no money. I was picking weeds at this flea bag hotel so I could have a room for the night. And, uh, you know, I called my mother, she'd send me money. Then I called my sister, she'd send me money. Called my other sister, she'd send me money. And I'd work down the line, you know, until eventually went back to my mother, she wouldn't send me any more money. She said, get a job. Well, I'm looking. I was looking through the paper and I was drinking and whatever I would get money, I would pay for the room and the rest I would use for drinking. See, I didn't eat then. There was a, it was like a efficiency um, motel room and there was a jar of spaghetti sauce in there. Well, that was good enough for me, you know? So I had that, and uh, <laughs> needless to say, uh, my mother wouldn't send me any more money, but she said there's plane tickets for you at the airport. You can't cash them, you gotta get on the plane. <laughs> so I was gonna stay in San Diego because my true love was there, you know? But you see, when I got kicked out of Navy, she wanted nothing to do with me. And, and I met her, I'm jumping around here a little bit, so bear with me, but. Uh, I met her because when I got out of rehab, I needed an extra job, you know? I needed an extra job because, well, I called my mother up and told her I needed a car so I get to meetings. So she sent me $500 when you're in the military, $500 down, you can get anything, you know? And uh, so she bought it, you know? She wanted her son to get better, you know, and I was just conniving, you know? And uh, so I got the car, I got this nice, uh, what was it, Honda something or other, Prelude, you know? And I got it, now I got these payments to make, I gotta get another job. So what did I do? I became a bouncer at a disco. And, uh, and not a good place for a guy who's supposed to be in recovery, but you know, I wasn't in recovery. And uh, I just wasn't drinking <laughs> like this, you know? And, uh, and so I'm working there as a bouncer, and then on my off night, I go back there and I, you know, carouse around and, and start drinking. And I take my brand new car down to Tijuana, Mexico. And I've been down to Tijuana a few times and uh, get a $10 hotel and, and drink and, and just get whacked. And, um, so I bring my new car down there and uh, I'm drinking for a few hours and then I don't know where my car is. You know, I, I remember looking around for my car. Evidently I found it because the next thing I know, <laughs> the border patrol is telling me to open up my trunk. I pop, I come out of a blackout, I pop up my trunk and there's a Mexican brought in the back, in the trunk. <laughs> Don't ask me, I guess I was, you know, smuggling somebody across the border. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> so they, they threw me in, in, in the brig and, uh, <clears throat> 
Still don't know what happened to this day. But the state of California wouldn't give me my car back. Yeah, because they said I would lead the car astray. <laughs> so the car company got the car back. They gave me another one. I got another car. They took that away eventually because, well, I didn't pay for it. But, um... <laughs> So anyway, I flew back to Sparta to live with my parents, which was a big mistake on my mother's, on my, my mother's, uh, it was her fault. <laughs> no. Um, you know, I, I treated them, you know, I had no respect. You know, I just wanted to drink and I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. And here, here's my mother taking me into her house and I'm showing no respect at all, you know, and I treated my mother terrible. I, you know, I stayed away from my father, though, but, uh, you know, it was just uh, my little sister, my mother, and my father, and I wreaked havoc in their house, you know, you know. So I had to get a job, of course. I got a job. I lost that because, well, I didn't show up one day because I drank too much the night before, and I just woke up late, which was a usual forte of mine. And uh, then I got another job, and I lost that because of, because of drinking. I got another job, and I lost that because of drinking. I said, geez, you know, there's a problem here. I'll become a bartender. <laughs> I didn't know how to mix a drink. You know, I could pour you a beer, pour you a shot, give me a shot. If I get a shot, I'm jumping around, you know, and, and, and I'm pretty lively, you know. And, uh, and it was in the best bar because I started getting served in bars when I was 15. And they were flea bag bars, you know, and I loved them, you know. And it was the same type of bar I was working Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights on. That was my job. That's the job, and my, my mother must have been shaking her head. Oh, this guy. But she got me another car, so I get back and forth to work, you know. And this guy told her, you know, if I went to school, uh, air-conditioned refrigeration school, I get a job on the docks in Port Newark. And uh, so I was working. I was going to go to school, but then I got my second DWI. Me and a friend, well, a friend and I were driving, and uh, we got into some sort of argument, and I hit a guardrail, and... Uh, Evidently, somebody saw and called the cops, and I tried to outrun the cops with three flat tires. And, uh, and they caught me. And, um, and I, I remember going home to my mother's house because they lived in a different house at this time, and, and I lived in the garage, you know. And, uh, so I went downstairs to the basement slash garage, and, uh, and uh, after the cops dropped me off, and, and my life sucked, you know. It's terrible. My life was going nowhere. I was a big loser, you know. And... Uh, I remember calling up this helpline and, and crying the blues and telling her my life story. And this woman couldn't speak a lick of English. You know, she, hello. And uh, she said, you know, I, I think you have problem. I said, yeah. So my parents were going on vacation that day. And, uh, and I remember my father yelling down, where's your car? And I was ooh, shaking. And I said, it's up at Vinny's. And my mother came down, so I gave her the lowdown, you know, and uh, my mother went and got the car fixed, you know, and uh, shaking her head in disgust. And uh, my parents were tired of my, my game, you know. And uh, so my life, my life was terrible, you know. I went to sleep. I woke up with doom hanging over my head. I had a couple of drinks. I could get out of this, you know. Um, so I went and I got the car. And I, I can't recall, I didn't look at the records, but I think within two weeks I got my third DWI. It might have been two weeks or two days after I swore I would never drink and drive again. I went to the bar to pick up my check, but at this time I was smoking a little crack too, so I went to the city and got that. 
Whew. And uh, I went in the bar to pick up my check, and I remember this, this old wino. I imagine him saying this to me, you shouldn't drive. Ah! <laughs> well, the next thing I know, I'm waking up in a hospital with tubes sticking in me, and, and, and my, brother looking, my older brother Frank looking down at me, throwing my 30WI ticket down at me, he said, man, he said, Mom and Dad are, are staying on vacation. They're sick and tired. They're not coming down. He says, so am I, and I'm thinking, Phew. so am I, you know. So <clears throat> there was something I had to do here. I had three DWIs, you know. Thank God I was the only one in the car. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I was too chicken to kill myself, or, or maybe God had another plan for me, you know. But, but like Scott was saying last night, maybe I tried to pull off the road and just say to hell with it, you know. And, uh, and I, I don't remember because, of course, uh, I was in a blackout, you know. And so I, when I woke up in the hospital, I, I swore I'd stop drinking. Well, I still smoked a little pot here and there, but, you know, I stopped drinking. And, uh, and the lawyer said to me, he said, rehab or jail? Eh, doesn't take too much to weigh that out. I went to rehab, you know. <laughs> and um, so when, I, when it came time to go to rehab, I kind of had second thoughts. And my father, you're going. Okay. And so I went, and uh, I went there, and, and these people were shaking my hands. They wanted to be my friend, not because of what I had in my pocket, not because of what I was, drinks I was buying. They just wanted to be my friend because of me. Nobody wanted to be my friend because of me. Why do you want to be my friend? I don't like myself. How can you like me, you know? But I was there for 42 days, and uh, I got out Christmas morning of 86. See, this wasn't my last rehab, but... <laughs> I learned something there, you know, and uh, I stayed sober. I did what I was supposed to do. I, I made coffee. I joined a group. I got a sponsor, you know, and, uh, and I did good for about eight months, you know. And then I stopped praying. That was the first sign I stopped praying, you know. Then I slowed down big in my meetings. Then I stopped going to meetings entirely. I can handle this my own, you know. Well, I went to air conditioning refrigeration school, and uh, and... <clears throat> I got out of there, eventually I got a job on the docks, the guy kept his promise, and so commuting from Sparta to uh, Point Newark was, was kind of hard when you don't have a license, and uh, so I moved to Elizabeth, it's like right in that town, and uh, to me Elizabeth was a city, so I moved there, I'm looking around, you know, and uh, you know, I'm a man of the world, I sailed the seven seas, but oh, I never lived in a city before, you know, and uh, I was going to, the guy who dropped me off was, was my friend's sponsor. He said, you know, go to 90 and 90. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this time I wasn't going to meetings, you know, but, but I did. I went to a couple meetings. I said, ah, Elizabeth AA is no good, man. Yeah. I don't know how they stay sober here. I can do it on my own. So I tried. I didn't do it. Went to work. You know, I was working on the docks and, and uh, hanging out with a guy named Bruno and, uh, Bruno and his brother Anthony, and uh, you know we're working. We're going to bars after work, and they're drinking, and I'm drinking about ten to twenty sodas. And uh, and Bruno said to me, you know, don't this bother you, kid? Who me? Ah, I can handle it. Well, that Saturday, I went out. I was going to a meeting, but I kind of went off this way and went into a bar, sitting down drinking sodas. And the barman comes around, you another soda. I said, give me Heineken, shot of Zambuca, you know. <laughs> And uh, I was off to the races, you know. Uh, I got home that night. I was introduced to something I, I, I never did before. I was introduced to cocaine, and, and, uh, and that kicked me in the ass, you know. And I started smoking that, and, and it, let me just tell you, man, don't do it. Um, <clears throat> you know, but um, 
you know, I went home that night and I was by myself again. So I called my guy who was supposed to be my sponsor, called him up and, and, and uh, you know, I was crying at 2 o'clock in the morning, eh, pouring this stuff down the drain. And, you know, I drank. And he came over the next day and, and we're sitting there talking. He said, I yeah, yeah at him to death. He's like, he's saying things. I'm saying, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, 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 you're right. Let's go to a meeting tomorrow. And uh, so, you know. And then I was off to the races. Thank God I only lasted eight months out there. You know, uh, first time I went to rehab was to get out of trouble. The second time was to stay out of jail. Third time was to save my ass, you know. And, uh, and I, I remember being in my apartment. All the little things I was doing was done. And uh, I didn't pay my rent for like three months. I, I didn't pay any bills. I would throw them in the garbage. You know, uh, I had no car payments because, well, I didn't have a license. And uh, I was lucky if I made it to work three days a week, you know. And, uh so I didn't have a lot of money coming in. At first, I was making a lot of money. But as it progressed, I wasn't making it to work, so how could I get the money? And uh, so I was borrowing from this, doing this, doing that, you know, scheming. And uh, anyways, it came down to that night. Enough was enough, you know. I'm sitting there, and, and there was no radio, no TV on. A voice just said, enough. There was nobody there. Next morning, I went into work. I... Talked to this friend of mine I grew up with, Bobby. I said, Bobby, I got a problem. I was wondering if you can loan me some money to pay my back rent. And he said, how much? I said, oh, about $1,500. <laughs> and he said, I'll do it, kid, but you got to get some help. So here I am, a longshoreman on the docks in Port of Newark with all these tough guys, and I started crying. Started crying like a baby, you know, because I knew it was over. I went into my shop steward, and I said, I need to be sent away. He said, it's a bad time, Georgie. And uh, so they sent me away to, to Minnesota. I call it Minnesota because every, I thought everybody there was sober, you know. <laughs> so I, I go, go to this rehab in Minnesota, and, uh, <clears throat> and it was great, you know. I, the first thing I did when I got there, I thanked God for giving me another chance. You know, uh, I thought, how many chances is he, is he going to give me, you know. So I went there. I didn't want to come back to New Jersey, though. You know, I kind of blamed New Jersey a little bit. Elizabeth, uh, that area, I'll stay in Minnesota, become a counselor, you know? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it didn't work out. I, I came back to uh, Elizabeth, and as I'm flying over beautiful New Jersey, I see all these oil tankers and all these stacks, and, you know, it was beautiful scenery. And uh, I started crying because I didn't want to come back. And nobody was supposed to pick me up at the airport. But I got there, and I'm walking back, and uh, my older sister Sue was there, you know. I didn't know she was going to be there. We went there. We went to my apartment, and somebody evidently was living in my apartment while I was gone. And, uh, and there were vials of everything all over the floor. And, 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 uh, and if I was left to that on my own, I don't know what would have happened. But thank God, God put my sister there, you know. You know, all these things, all these coincidences, they're not coincidences. There's God putting people in my life, you know. And, uh, and so we straightened that out, and, and I went up uh, to my parents' summer home, and, and I went to meetings up there, and I came back, and I, I went back to Elizabeth Day, you know. And you know what? Works just fine, you know. And uh, I, I lived in Elizabeth uh, for a few years, and then I moved to a town called Hoboken. And uh, it's right across the river from, from New York, and I lived there for a year. And then, well... I did something kind of silly. I met a girl, knew her a month, and moved in with her. So uh, that wasn't too bright. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I moved in with her, and, and, and 
Oh, it became real bad. I, I didn't go to meetings for two months. Two months when I was with her, I didn't go to meetings. You don't need meetings, you only need me. Oh! But, um, <laughs> you know, I went to a meeting here and there when I could sneak out. And, uh, But um, <clears throat> I called a friend of mine, Sean, Sean McShane, and uh, well, God bless Sean McShane. He said, I'll pick you up Saturday morning. We're going to go speak at this rehab at White Deer in Pennsylvania. I said, all right. So he picked me up. It was about a two-hour ride, and I told him everything that was going on. And I spoke at that rehab, and we came back. And he said, I'll tell you what. He says, I'm moving out of my townhouse. Why don't you come down and live there? I said, Okay. So see, but this woman was a psycho, okay? Yeah, she came out to me with a knife a couple of times, you know. Needless to say, she wasn't in the rooms, but um, so we we're supposed to go on vacation. I said, you know what, they're making me work, I can't go. Why don't you go without me? So, oh, okay, she went. Next morning, I packed all my stuff and took off, you know, and uh, had a couple of my boys come up and we went to, I went down to South Brunswick, and, uh, you know, in my sobriety, you know, I got this guy as a sponsor when I first got out, you know, and then I was introduced to my sponsor who's been my sponsor on and off for a while, and I'll explain that. Um, he brought me over to this guy Fred's house, and uh, Freddie's a big guy, you know, he's bigger than me, you know. And when I went in there, he said to, to this guy, he said, finally you bring a normal sized guy over. So me and Freddie are sitting there looking at big and tall catalogs, eating a piece of cake, saying, hey, how come they don't have normal sized guy? you know, uh, wearing the clothes, modeling the clothes. And uh, so from then, he became my sponsor, you know. And, uh, and then he fired me one time because, well, I wasn't doing what he wanted me to do. I fired him a couple times. But it wasn't because of him. It wasn't him at all. It was me. It was me saying, well, you know, maybe I need to go in a different direction. Who am I kidding? I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. You know, it wasn't Fred at all. It was me. The man in the mirror. You know, so I've had Fred for a while now. And, and Fred lives about an hour away from me, but we stay in contact. We play phone tag a lot. I was talking to him this morning, you know, and uh, he's saying it's a little cold in South Carolina where he's at now on vacation, you know. I said, well, it's snowing here. <laughs> but uh, let me tell you, Freddie was there when, when uh, a couple years, well, not even a couple years ago, about a year and a half ago. See, my father was a heavy drinker, you know, and uh, when I went out to the rehab in Minnesota, went out to the rehab in Minnesota, and uh, my father, my parents came out for uh, family week. My father was supposed to be sober, you know, supposed to be in AA, and I'm thinking, this is great, we're going to be buddies, you know, we're going to be pals, we're going to go hang out and play cards at AA, you know, and uh, well, he told me he doesn't go to AA anymore, He's, he lets it, his higher power lets him drink, you know, and uh, <laughs> I said, okay. So I didn't go visit my parents a lot, you know, because while well, he drank and I felt uncomfortable, you know. Um, I went up uh, for Christmas and my father looked in bad shape. And I stayed for a day and I went home. It was like my worst Christmas. I got to work the next day and I called him. And nobody confronted him, you know, nobody confronted him on his drinking. I don't know if my mother did because I wasn't there to hear their conversation, but I told him, you got to stop drinking. You know what you got to do, you got to stop. Eh, I know, you know. My father wasn't a big talker. Hi, Dad. Uh, you know? <laughs> and, uh, 
I'm going to stop the first of the year. I said, no, you got to stop now, you know. And uh, I said, you got to go back to AA. Eh, I don't need them. I can do it on my own. I said, uh-uh, you know. But at least I spoke my mind and I told them. I said, you know, but first thing I said was no disrespect, you know. And, uh, and then I laid into them. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, <clears throat> he did stop drinking the first of the year. And, uh, and he died uh, March 25th you know, of 95, you know. He stopped drinking. He wasn't going to AA, but he didn't drink. He was almost sober 90 days before he passed away, you know. You know, like I said, my father wasn't much of a talker, you know, you know. So when we got together, there wasn't much to talk about. You know, football, he hates the Yankees. He likes ball, he hates the Giants. Yeah, yeah, you know. He hates all my teams, I hate his. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's all we could really talk about was sports, you know. So he, he was laid up in the bed, you know, and he, he couldn't move. And uh, I told him, I said, you know, Dad, I always loved you. He said, well, you weren't the easiest to love. He said, but then again, neither was I. The slate was clean. Me and my father, clean slates right there, you know. And, uh, so he died, and I had peace from his death because, well, I knew we loved each other, you know. And no matter what happened in the past, we, we cleaned it up, you know. And, uh, so my sponsor, Freddie, was there for me. So were my my. Uh, friends and um you know if it wasn't for people in AA I don't know where the hell I'd be you know I got I belong to this group <clears throat> excuse me let me uh, I belong to this group at work it's a lunchtime meeting it's called the Port Newark Savior Ass Meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous <laughs> it's the best meeting in the world people there's guys there Nikki the Fish Eddie the Visor <laughs> yeah Nutso Nolan I'm gonna name these people so they'll buy the tape. Uh, <laughs> the Turtle, Hammer McShane, and Starstruck John. We got a couple normal guys named Bob and a guy named Ski. You know, and a great bunch of guys. You know, there's about 10 to 15 guys there every day. I, I've been working through lunch, through lunch lately, so I haven't been able to make it there. But, uh, but they, they're, they're right here with me. You know, they're here with me. Because every one of them shot up a prayer at 10 o'clock this morning, you know. And all the people from my home group shot up a prayer at 10 o'clock this morning, you know. That's all I need. That's all I need, you know. And these people do anything for me and I do anything for them, you know. And um, I, I never loved a, a, a bunch of guys because it's all guys. More... That, than these guys, you know. And, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, my friend Terry Nutso Nolan is in the hospital right now, and uh, and he was shooting up a prayer for me. He's in the hospital praying for me, you know. And uh, that's how it works, you know. That's how it works for me, you know. Uh, whew. Whew. Um, <laughs> a lot of things have happened. Uh, I was here last year and my sponsor spoke, you know, and uh, a lot of things have happened in my life since then. You know, uh, I'm engaged to be married today, you know, to a, to a woman that, that I dated a few times off and on. We dated a few times off and on, eh, you know, let me try to find this one, let me find this one. I was looking for that hole, you know, I wanted to fill that hole, but I filled that hole with, with AA, you know. 
and, and I'm trying to fill the hole with this one, and with this one making me crazy, this one, but she's still calling me. Why is she still calling me? She's a psycho, you know? <laughs> but you know what? She, she's not. She just wanted to see how I was doing, you know? And so I said, well, I surrendered to, to, to alcohol. Let me surrender to her. So we've been together ever since, and, uh, and she's a wonderful woman, you know? I, I'm very blessed. I'm very blessed in my life today, you know? Coming from a guy who was basically homeless in San Diego to having a guy fly me from New Jersey to here to speak to you people, you know? That's a blessed person. We're all blessed, you know? And, uh, and she has a two, two-year-old daughter, and uh, little Ashley, and, uh, and we all live together. You know, we're getting married in May, and uh, it's kind of hard sometimes when you have two two-year-olds, though, you know? And one of you is 32, you know? <laughs> so, well, you know, one of you has to act like a grown-up, and, uh, <laughs> but but it's nice, you know, and, uh, and, and it's just real good to be here, you know. I, I'm very grateful for Denny for asking me to come here, and I'm very thankful for you people for listening for me. Thank you. Thank you.